Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. I lead Faith Christian Center in Austell, Georgia. Thanks for tuning in today. I believe today's message will encourage you, inspire you, help you live a life that makes Jesus famous in every area of your life. And as a result of this message, I believe something good is going to happen in your life as you listen and as you apply it. So listen up. Here's today's message. I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. Well, you can open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're starting a new series today called Heart for the House. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you want to follow along with me in my version Bible notes, I'll put all my notes in the version Bible app so you can follow along with me if you choose. Just open the version Bible app, go to where it says more, look at events, and then you'll see my notes for today, Heart for the House. As always, you'll find this message later on today and this week on our YouTube channel, as well as on our podcast, as well as on Spotify and on our website. We rebroadcast this message on KBT Global on Tuesday nights. We put all these messages out there for free so you can grow in your faith. So you can listen to it at any time because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So some of the things we're going to talk today, people who've been here around before, you've heard some of these things before. Some of you are newer, you've never heard these things before. But the thing is about the Holy Ghost, he can tailor a message exactly where you need to hear it so everybody can grow at the same time. Amen? So something I want you to see from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. Spirit, soul, body. You are a tripart being. You are a spirit. That is the real you. You are not a body. You are not this flesh. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and very seat of your emotions. You are not a mind. You are a spirit. You have a soul, or you possess a soul, which is the very part of the very seat of your emotions. So a lot of people get in trouble because instead of being spirit conscious, they're soul conscious. And they let their emotions have them instead of them having their emotions. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in this natural body. This body is the house you live in while you're on this earth. So that means that this body can't make all the shots. Because this body, there's some things they want is good. Sometimes you might have a desire to eat something healthy. Sometimes. It could happen. You know, the trainer says amen to that. But other times, around midnight or 1 a.m., your body may call for some pie, <laughs> cake, Oreos, and you run out, but you have like this extra can of frosting. You just, I just don't want it to go to waste, Jesus. <laughs> and your body calls for those things. And it's not always bad to have it every once in a long while, but if you let your body call the shots and you have that all the time, you're going to have health issues. See, the thing is, sometimes your body wants what's good, and other times you want what's going to take you to the grave early. Just because your body sees it doesn't mean it should happen. That applies to food and other types of food. 
Because a lot of people are led by what they see. Well, she looked good. He looked good. Well, well, in this day and age, you don't know if there's a she or he. But you're so horny, you just hop onto your emotions. I haven't even got to my second scripture yet. And you're led by something else instead of your spirit, and you end up in trouble. You end up with something that burns. Because you are body conscious instead of spirit conscious. You have to remember you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Your spirit must remain in charge. When you don't let your spirit call the shots, you will get in trouble. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a physical body. Now go to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. See, you can train your body at what it wants. You can train your body to desire something. The problem is a lot of us have trained our body to want the wrong things. Whether it's sugar. Whether it's alcohol. You know, he's like, well, I want to blame it on the goose, blame it on the honey. No, blame it on your lack of self-control. And so when you retrain your body, you have to tell your body no. Or as Paul says, you have to crucify the flesh. You have to put the flesh under. You don't let the flesh call the shots. Just because you smoke weed before doesn't mean you need to smoke weed now. Well, it's in the earth. There's a lot of things in the earth. Doesn't mean you need to put it in your body. No, there's a garbage dump. That's in the earth. Don't let your body call the shots. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man, the real you. Today we would say that the spirit of man is the flashlight of the Lord. This is how he leads you. This is how he guides you. Through your spirit. It lights up or it enlightens you on the inside. God is not going to lead you through your mind. A lot of people want some extra type of out there. It's like, well, if I just have five goosebumps, if my knee just feels a certain way, and the sky changes colors, then I know it's God. But that is not the primary way God leads us. He leads us through our spirit because we are a spirit, and he's a spirit. He speaks spirit to spirit. A lot of times when we put out guidance in the natural realm, you can get tripped up. So, well, pastor, I put out a fleece. That was the Old Testament, and you got fleeced. Because the enemy also has access to the natural realm. And there is such a thing as chance. Well, just because that happened didn't mean it was God. You have to let God lead you through your spirit. You have to be spirit conscious. One of the things we'll be teaching in this series, throughout the series as well, on social media this week is how to make sure you're spirit conscious. Because a lot of us have given time to develop our body. Some of us have given time to develop our mind. But when is the last time you've focused on developing your spirit? 
You can develop your spirit man. You can develop the inner you or the hidden man of the heart, that's Peter calls him. You can develop this person on the inside, the real you. And sometimes, we already said it's heart month, but sometimes you have to give yourself a checkup. So, you know, I rated my daughter's torches for this. And don't understand as a grown up, if there's a toy in the house, it could be my prop for a message. But if this was a real spiritual stethoscope, and you put this in your ears, and you put it up against your spirit, what would be the condition of your spirit? Because your body can have a physical condition. Your mind, will, and emotions can have a condition. So can your spirit. It could be weak, or it could be strong. So we teach about this on series as well as you'll see on Facebook and Instagram later this week. Talking about the condition of your heart. You know, I remember Brother Copeland talking about this vision the Lord gave him at the very beginning of his ministry. Oral Roberts laid hands on him, and the Lord showed him this vision, the people in the room. And he said it, it marked him for the rest of his life because he said he saw these people, and he says they had these big, giant-like heads, like those bobbleheads. Those big fat heads they had, that's what he said he described it like. But their spirit man was like this little twig, very emaciated. Because the spirit man's eternal can't die. If it was a physical person, it would be dead. But a spirit is alive forever. It's eternal. And so it was emaciated. And they're walking around like that. So he said all these people, all these Christians, these weren't unbelievers, had a lot of head knowledge. But their spirits were weak. There's a lot of Christians who can quote scriptures, but their spirits are emaciated. And because they haven't built up their spirit, man, they don't know how to follow the leading of God. And when you build up your spirit, man, it's easier to follow the leading of the spirit. Because it's primarily through your spirit that God enlightens, illuminates, or guides you. Psalm 18:28 says, For thou will light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 16. God will lead you. God will guide you. But a lot of people miss the leadings because they're looking outside for some leading. They're trying to think everything through. And you haven't learned to listen to your spirit. You listen to everybody else. You call everybody else. You look all through social media. Look at everything else, but you haven't consulted your spirit, man. Amen. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The phrase bears witness means gives evidence. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them, and the Holy Spirit gives evidence to your spirit. Jesus said in John 16.13 that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. One of the ways he guides us in all truth is by giving, giving evidence to our human spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you in your spirit through what we call the inward witness. The voice of your conscience, which is like a still small voice, and the more authoritative voice of the Holy Ghost. The primarily way is God will lead you in everyday life is through the inward witness, the voice of your conscience with a still small voice, and the third, the more authoritative voice of the Holy Ghost. See, the inward witness is sensing and an inner knowing. It is a spiritual intuition. The inward witness is an inner sensing, an inner knowing. 
It is a spiritual intuition. It's not necessarily words. It's not necessarily you heard a voice on the inside. It's just you know that you know, you know, you just knew on the inside. And for lack of better words, well, I don't know how to describe it in the natural, but I just know on the inside this is what I'm supposed to do. Now, there is your conscience, which is the still, small voice. Your spirit has a voice. Your soul has a voice. Your body has a voice. The Holy Ghost has a voice. Your voice of your spirit is called your conscience. And if you're born again, your conscience is a safe guide. Jiminy Cricket was right. <laughs> Always let your conscience be your guide. If you're saved, you can follow your conscience. You can depend on your spirit and will lead you the right way because the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you giving evidence to your spirit. So the inward witness, not necessarily words, but there's an inner knowing, an inner sentencing, an inner intuition. Several times in Scripture, the Bible refers to the human spirit as the heart. Several times in Scripture, the Bible refers to the human spirit as the heart. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. We have to be spirit conscious. We have to learn and become, make it our habit to check with our spirit wherever we go. Because the Holy Spirit will give evidence. He'll let you know you ain't supposed to go there, or it's okay to go there, or take a different route to go there. We have to be spirit conscious. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. When you get there, say amen. amen. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to that which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. The peace of God, or the peace that comes from God, is supposed to rule in your where? Heart. So your spirit, right? The word rule here means to arbitrate, to act as an umpire, to decide, to direct, to determine and to control. The word rule here means to arbitrate, to act as an umpire, to decide, to direct, and to control. So let the peace that comes from God arbitrate in your heart, act as an umpire in your heart, decide in your heart, direct in your heart, determine in your heart, and control in your heart. The peace that comes from God or the peace of God ruling in your heart is a part of the Holy Spirit leading you through the inward witness. When you are about to make a decision, do you have peace about it? That's what we mean when we say, well, follow peace. When you're about to make a decision, is there peace? Is there a green light sensing on the inside of you? Or is there a check or a red light warning? Is there an absence of peace? These leadings are not necessarily words, but they are the leadings of the Holy Spirit. We've all had different instances where you're about to do something and that peace it didn't feel right on the inside. What is it? It was a lack of peace. It is the Holy Spirit warning you. And what happened? When we overruled that warning, we got in trouble. And people say, oh, something told me not to do that. It wasn't a something. It was a someone. The Holy Ghost giving evidence to your spirit. We have to learn to follow peace on the inside. Learn how to check in on the inside. That before we make decisions, even before we go places, parents, before you let your teenagers go out the house, check your spirit. You know, you do your due diligence. Do I know so-and-so? Okay, do I know their parents? Are they home? Da-da-da. You get all the information. But after you get all the information, check your spirit. Because everything in the natural could be right, but the Holy Ghost says don't let them out of this house. And it doesn't mean they're doing anything crazy. It doesn't mean anything's wrong with them or their friends. It could be a situation that Satan set as a trap. 
So one of the things you want to train your kids to do is to follow their own spirit, but to let them know that, hey, if I make a decision because I sense on the inside, just trust me, because one of the ways God protects you is through me. So you have to learn to follow your spirit for your children's sake. You have to teach your children to follow their spirit. And then even in decisions concerning where you go, what to do, all these different things, you have to learn to follow your spirit. One of the things I go, you know, I don't have as many opportunities to go to the movies right now, but as I, it gets back to that time after my infant is a little bit older, before I pick movie times, I check my spirit because people are crazy. Can I go to this showing at this theater or is somebody going to be crazy? I'm checking my spirit. Is it okay that I'm booking this flight? to go to this destination at this time? Is it okay that I'm taking this route? See, sometimes we miss the leading of the Holy Ghost because we get into habits. We are creatures of habit. That if you drive the same way to work every day, you're going to start driving it without thinking. You may start thinking about something else in your mind before you're there. You're already 10 minutes down the road because it's your habit. But you need to check your spirit. Is this what I'm supposed to be driving today? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, I was watching um, one of the NCS shows and it was a couple years ago, a few seasons back, and there's a main character who they taught them that when you drive to work, you switch up routes. You don't do the same route all the time. You switch it up. So that's what he did. But he had another habit that he didn't even think about was that he would always go out to the beach and surf every single morning. He didn't think about changing up that route, but he was in the habit, and these terrorists were watching him, and that's how they got him because that habit. See, the enemy will try to get you. Don't be afraid of him. He's a defeated foe. But if you listen to your spirit, you can avoid his traps. We have to be spirit conscious. We have to learn to follow peace. One of the many New Testament definitions of grace is def- divine influence upon the heart. One of the many New Testament definitions of grace is divine influence upon the heart. So one of the manifestations of the grace of God in our lives is influence upon our heart. The born again human spirit is a safe guide because the Holy Spirit gives evidence to it. We have to, it is a necessity to learn to listen to our spirit the first time. The first time. One of the things the Lord told Dad Hagen a number of decades ago, he says, if you want to teach something that is going to be very useful, paraphrasing, for the church living at the end of all things, it's teach them how to be led by the Spirit. We have to be people because we live in an age of distraction. And on top of that, we live in an entertainment capital. There is distraction and entertainment everywhere. But if we don't learn how to tune stuff out sometimes and quiet our minds and quiet our bodies, because it's not just quieting your body and sitting still, it's learning how to tell your mind, chill out for a second, and check your spirit so that you know what to do. You have to be spirit conscious, not just body conscious, because some of you are already hungry. You're already body conscious. Some of you already got that down. Some of you in here, you're in tune with your emotions. Some of you other guys, you're not. Some of you are in tune with what you're thinking. Some of you are not. But on top of all the things, you need to be in tune to your spirit because you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in this physical body. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. 
Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, today, if you will hear his voice and harden out your what? If your heart can be hardened, it can be softened. As in the provocation, the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, said, they do always err in their where? And they have not known my ways. And I plan to impact, uh, to do more and more of these scriptures as we go through the series and open it more and more. But to simply paraphrase for right now, how do the Israelites harden their hearts? They refused to believe God. They ignored his leading. And they decided to go their own way. They refused to believe God. They ignored his leading, so they disobeyed. And they decided to go their own way. And when they did that, they hardened their heart. If you can harden your heart, you can soften it. Every time you make a decision to follow the leading of the Spirit, you soften your heart. Every time you decide not to, you harden your heart. And there is a place where a hardened heart becomes hard. Pharaoh got to that point. So let you know the Spirit of God was dealing with him for a long time. He kept hardening his heart, and it became hard, and he received the repercussions of his actions. You have to understand the most dangerous and damning thing in the entire world is a hard heart. The most dangerous and damning thing in the entire world is a hard heart. Because once a heart reaches that point, God can't deal with it anymore. You refuse to listen. You've decided, I don't want to be a part of your will. You can get your heart so hard that God is trying to lead you to save you from something, but you can't hear anymore because you harden your heart and you run into whatever situation you create. It's a heart that has refused to listen. And it's not God's fault. It's not something that God did. Not something your mama did. Not something some preacher did. You did it. You have to make sure you keep your heart soft and pliable. I'll say it again. A hard heart is one of the most dangerous and damning things in the entire world. You must keep your heart sensitive to the leadings of the Spirit of God. See, Proverbs says it this way. Proverbs 28, 14. Happy is the man that references or fears always. So someone who walks in the reverence of God all the time. Happy is that man. Blessed is that man. But he that hardens his heart shall fall into mischief. He that hardens his heart shall fall into mischief. If you harden your heart, you will fall into trouble. It's not, well, maybe. No, it will happen. Didn't say it's going to happen today, but it will happen. God will lead you and deal with your heart concerning every area of your life. He wants to enlighten you in every area of your life. He wants to guide you concerning spiritual things, your family, your relationships, your finances, your career, your purpose, your part here at faith. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. And he's going to do it through your spirit. Being spirit conscious is not spooky. You do not have to put a tinfoil antenna on your head to hear from God. You just live open. Sir, I'm open to your direction. 
what if he didn't tell me to change anything? You just do what you normally plan to do. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Practice hearing from him. What was a good, simple way to practice that has no repercussions? When you're picking out your outfit in the morning, ask him, what should I wear today? What color should I wear? Well, what if he doesn't respond? Then wear whatever you want. It's like you've been doing all, every other day. But if he does respond, you wear that. What are you doing? You're training yourself to hear. Because the thing is, as we'll talk about in this series, at least I plan to, your spirit has ears. Your spirit has eyes. There is an inner scene. And there's different things I do when I minister because I saw myself do it. There are different times I might see it weeks in advance, maybe a month or so in advance. And there'll be certain people that the Lord has directed me to minister to. But in that inner scene, I'm not caught up in a vision somewhere. I'm not in a trance. My senses aren't suspended. All those things are real, but that's not what happened. I just on the inside have this little spiritual movie going on. And I'll see myself doing something. And does that mean, well, next Sunday you have to do it? No, because there are certain conditions. He may have a person sitting in a certain place, and that's where I saw them. Well, I won't step out and do what he told me to unless, that's, unless he leads me differently or I see them in that exact same place. One of the things happened this past Wednesday. You know, usually when someone gets come forward to be filled with the Holy Ghost, I connect with our ministry team and let them go through it that way. But the Holy Ghost showed me laying my hands on the individual. So that's what I did, and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. What I'm doing, I'm following the inner witness. If he shows me something, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm endeavoring to do. You also hear the still small voice of your spirit. I remember there was something I was looking at getting for this ministry, and it was super expensive. And I'm like, God, how am I supposed to do that? And he said, call so-and-so. I'm like, okay. So I called them, and they showed me how to save tens of thousands of dollars. Thank God for the inward witness. But some people want this big, flashing neon sign. They want God to send an angel to shake you. But that's not how it works. That's not how he leads you. The primary way he'll lead you is through your inner witness. Now, yes, there are dreams and visions and manifestations of angels and thank God for it, but that's not the primary way. But even when those things come, he will direct you concerning those things by your spirit. So go to the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 1. The primary way God leads us is through our spirit. Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the what? Of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now let's do some background. Some of you who already have heard me teach along these lines before are familiar with it, that Daniel is a man of prayer, and by this point he's near retiring or has just retired, And the administration of Cyrus. But before he retires, he sees from the word of God that Israel is only supposed to be outside of the land for 70 years. That time has come. The time is going. So he sets his face and begins to pray. And God responds. He sends an angel. And you see that in the book of Daniel. But part of the reason Cyrus' spirit was stirred because Daniel prayed. Now Cyrus wasn't a Jew. He's not a Christian. He's not a follower of the one true God. He is a heathen king ruling in Persia and modern-day Iran. He's not 
saved. But notice how God still deals with them. By his spirit. He stirs up his spirit. And what did Cyrus do? Because he listened. He responded. He obeyed. He made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put in also in writing saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms on the earth. Look at this heathen testify. And he charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Sounds like somebody suddenly believing. You know, if the heathen can have clear direction, shouldn't sanctified, Holy Ghost filled Christians have clear direction? Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God. Praise God. Who is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remains in any place where he sojourns, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the free will offering. If you have a physical Bible, you can underline it. If not, you can highlight it in your notes. Free will offering is important. For the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised. The same phrase for raised is the same one from stirred up. So he raised their spirits or he stirred up their spirits and they responded. To go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts and with precious things beside all that was willingly offered. Pay attention to that phrase as well. Also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem, and he put them in the house of his gods. So now Cyrus begins to restore everything that Nebuchadnezzar took from them. Now what is the purpose, what is the reason why God stirred up the spirit of Cyrus and the leaders of Benjamin and Judah and the Levites and others? Why did he stir up their spirit? To build the house of God. One of the reasons God will stir up your spirits is concerning the building of his house. You get to Ezra chapter 7 and you see this letter that the king sends. And it's a letter that tells all his leaders, all the people who aren't Jews who don't follow God. To summarize, don't hold them back. Help them with whatever they need. Don't put a limit on them. You do whatever they ask. He has my complete authority to go and build this house. And then what Ezra says in chapter 7, verse 27, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which has put a thing as this in the king's heart, to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. When we look at Haggai chapter 1, I'm just going to summarize it for the sake of time. That in the context of Haggai, you know, they started building the house, you know, and these days and then after time passed, they forgot about it and started doing their own thing. The Holy Ghost sent the prophet to say, hey, y'all need to start giving like you're supposed to. You need to start building the house of God again. And they weren't people who said, well, maybe one day they responded. They began to move immediately to do what the Holy Ghost said. And as they set out to do the word of God, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did reverence before the Lord. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger, the Lord's messenger to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did the work in the house of the Lord God of hosts. So God preached a message to them. They obeyed. 
And as they're going to do what God said, the Holy Ghost sends a word of encouragement. Hey, I'm with you. And as they keep doing what God says, God stirs their spirits. There are times God will stir your spirit to get you moving. There's times God will stir your spirit to keep you going. And there's other times you'll see we'll get to it where you need to stir your own spirit. You know, God told you to do something 20 years ago, and you've just been delaying. Well, I'm waiting for God to stir me up again. Stir yourself up. You know what to do. Do what God told you to do. In Exodus 35, we'll unpack this later, that God told Moses to build the tabernacle, God's house. And he says, tell the people that everybody who wants to give willingly or to offer willingly or have a free will offering to bring it in the morning. And so they did. And then you get to Exodus 35, and God talks about what he wants them to bring. But you see Exodus 35, verse 20, and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whose spirit made him willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold, and every man that offered offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. Verse 29, the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made him willing, to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. Notice it wasn't compulsion. Moses did not force them. He says, whoever has a willing heart, let him give. And now what was the result of this type of giving? You get to chapter 36. It says they brought him free will offerings every morning. But wait a minute. These are people who just got out of Egypt. Now, there was a well transfer, transfer into their hands. But you got to think they only have what they can carry. Or do they? Because if they give every morning, something has to be coming back to them. If they keep giving... Now, how much do they give? The people Moses put in charge by the Holy Ghost to build this, they said, hey, Moses, we got much more than enough for the service of the work, which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, don't let anybody bring any more. No more giving. Man, I've never seen that, but, you know, that would be a great day. We got too much. And it says, then the people were restrained from giving. Their hearts were so stirred up to give to the work of the house. Moses had to say, stop giving. Do not be disobedient. Because their hearts have been stirred up for giving. As we'll see later, there is a grace of giving. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, you've excelled in all these other graces. You need to excel in this grace too. Because they, they were a prosperous church, they were a big church, and they said, that, oh yeah, something's going on in Jerusalem, we're going to give big and help that church out up there. Then a year goes by, they haven't gave yet. So Paul writes a second letter, and in that second letter it says, well, put your money where your mouth is. Excel in this grace of giving as well. It's not something they were compelled to do. It was something that came from their heart. Their hearts were so stirred. They brought a free will offering. The phrase of offered willing and free will offerings is seen through the Old Testament. And when you see offered willingly or offering willingly, it refers to those who volunteer themselves 
and their time for God's service, as well as for generous financial offerings. So there's times God would stir up his people's spirits to serve. God would stir up his people's spirits to give. The Holy Spirit will stir up your spirit to build the house of God, especially the local house where you are called. And it is through serving. It is through giving. But it also stir up your spirit to pray for somebody. Well, I don't, why do they need prayer? If he tells you to pray for them, pray for them. He may tell you, well, reach out to so-and-so and check on them. Well, I don't know them. I don't want to be awkward. Follow the prompting of the Holy Ghost. Because one of the things you'll see in the New Testament we'll get into in this series is that we are the house of God. We are this local house, but we're all together the house of God that God is building together for a habitation. And so God will stir up your spirit where it comes concerning building this local house, but also building this local body of believers. And it's not going to be something he's going to come down and shake you. It's not going to be something, a big neon sign. It's going to be through your heart. It's going to be through your spirit. He will deal with you. But when he deals with you, be quick to obey. He'll deal with you in different ways. I remember um, this past summer, I think a couple weeks after Ellie was born, and so there's a conference that every summer that I, if I'm not there, I watch online. And so the Sunday night before it started, you know, I had a dream, and I saw the man of God who was over the conference, someone who I've learned from a lot my entire life, and I saw him collecting an offering. But he wasn't standing on the stage collecting an offering. In this dream, he had an offering bucket, and he was collecting it going through the crowd. And all my years of seeing him do stuff, I was like, I've never seen that happen. And so I woke up, didn't think much of it. I was like, okay. And so I turned on, you know, the conference in the background, you know, at least less than two weeks. So, you know, I'm still working on sleep. You know, my focus is, okay, let's sleep where I can. <laughs> Help the two-year-old where I can. <laughs> Help my wife where I can. So I'm not even focused on the conference in the background. But as I'm walking by, I hear the man of God take up the first offering for the conference. And it says, I don't need anything. But I want to take the biggest offering ever to bless these speakers. Then I was like, that's the dream. The Holy Ghost stirred me up the night before for this offering. Now I was like, I don't have time to watch this message right now, but I have time to take out my phone and text into this offering. He had stirred up my spirit. I said, that's all I need. I don't need another sign. I don't need a wonder in the heavens. I don't need to see Gabriel show up and say, you need to give him this offering. He had stirred my spirit. So I gave. Now I listened to the conference later. It was a blessing to me. But it wasn't so much about me listening to the word of the conference. It was me getting in on that offering because the Spirit of God had stirred me up. And there's simple things like that that if we don't act on, we will easily forget. And years go by, I said, oh, man, God did tell me about that years ago. These aren't things where it's all, it's, you'll never forget them. Some of them are very simple, very small promptings that if you don't pay attention to your spirit, you will miss He will stir you up for the building of his house. He will stir you up to serve. He will stir you up to give. He'll stir you up to pray and encourage others. But if you're not quick to obey, you'll miss it. You know, he stirred up a lot of people. Yeah, you need to serve on Team Faith. Oh, yeah, I'll serve one day. And that one day has come several Sundays. And he hasn't served yet. He's like, well, I need another sign. Well, here's the message. There you go. Obey the promptings of your spirit. Let's close here. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Close here. 1 Chronicles 28. The background of the story is that David 
is one of the, in one of the heights of his reign. He is prospering. He's victory of all his enemies. It's peace round about. And David's like, you know what? I've got this great house. I want to build God a temple. I want to build a place where the Ark of the Covenant can rest forever. That's what I want to do. That's what's in my heart. I want to build this beautiful temple. And so he talks to the prophet of God. And the prophet says, well, God's with you. Do whatever's in your heart. And as the prophet walks away, the Holy Ghost grabs him and says, no, you go back and tell him this message. And he tells David, you're a warrior. You got bloody hands. You're a fighter. I didn't call you to build my temple. But your son will. So you don't build it. But your son will. And then he gives David a covenant, the Davidic covenant. We'll get into that probably in the Eastern series. And David is rejoicing for how merciful and kind God has been to him. And then you see when you get to chapter 28, verse 29, that David got before the Holy Ghost and got all the plans of the temple. So everything you see in the temple, David got from the Holy Ghost. He got the plans from God. Just like Moses got the plans from the tabernacle from God, David got the plans for the temple from God. And so David says, I wanted to build a temple. That was in my heart to do. But God told me I can't do it. But he didn't say I couldn't pay for it. David's like, well, if the Holy Ghost won't let me build it, I'm going to pay for it. So he says, this day, this is what I'm giving. And I was just doing some calculations, just the amount of gold he gave. By my easy calculation, it was $4.2 billion worth of gold at least. Then he gave silver. Then he gave stuff on top of that. And then his warrior says, you know what? We're not going to let the king give by himself. So they start giving huge amounts. And then all the people give huge amounts to the point that when everyone sees everything was given, the people start celebrating over an offering. They says, wow, look at how many people offered willingly. No one compelled them to give. They just had this opportunity to say, hey, let's jump in and build God's house. And they gave so much, it caused a whole nation to dance, rejoice, and to celebrate. Because it was more than enough for what the temple needed. And this wasn't like a temple that skimped to get by. It was a temple that was covered in gold. Beautiful in every area. And it came from this one offering. To the point that after David saw it, he begins to worship like, God, who am I? And who are these people you've given me that we can give so much? Because it's not like David started rich. He was a shepherd boy. His warriors that surrounded him, when they came to him, they were all in debt. There was no way they can give this way. The people weren't that prosperous. They were decent under Saul, but they didn't get to this level. But you see, they had a manifestation of harvest of after they gave, and Solomon was so prosperous that gold and silver and rubies were common as dust. So that might be more common in some houses than others, but it's so common as dust. But they gave willingly. And David prays at the end. I know also, my God, that you try the heart and has pleasure in uprightness. As for me and the uprightness of my heart, chapter 29, I have willingly offered all these things, and now have I seen with joy your people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of your people, and prepare their heart unto thee. What is one of the things David is praying to keeping their hearts forever? This spirit of giving. This grace of giving. This being stirred up for the work of the house of God. Being stirred up to give. So whatever God stirs our hearts to do, we must do. Whatever he leads us to do, 
we must do. Whatever he told us to do in the past, we can stir our hearts and be passionate about doing it again. In any area of our lives, we must follow the leading of the inward witness as the Holy Spirit through grace and peace moves upon our heart. We must be quick to obey his promptings, even in service and giving. When you respond to his stirrings concerning service and giving, you develop an even greater heart for the house. Some people have big hearts for this house. Some people have small hearts for this house. But as you begin to keep obeying the promptings, whether it's to serve, to give, to pray, to help someone out, to encourage someone to show love, your heart for this house will grow. And you get to a place you understand that whatever we do, we do it together. We're better together. And we get the same credit in heaven. Amen? Amen. Well, stand to your feet. Those I have signed will pick up with part two of this next week. Hallelujah to Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a physical body. The Holy Spirit leads me guides me, gives evidence to my spirit. I will, I will, I will follow his promptings, follow his leadings. I am sensitive to his leadings, to his guidance. I don't tune him out. I don't ignore him. I am spirit conscious. I pay more attention to my spirit than I do to my mind than I do to my emotions, than I do to my desires, and then I do to my body. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in this physical body. I will keep it in the right order. That's what you have to do. Take time every day to hear from the Spirit of God, because he will lead you and guide you into all truth. One of the ministries of God is he's your shepherd. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will show you what to do. So stop saying, well, I don't know what to do. Why? The greater one who lives in you knows everything. Because of him, you know everything. So stop saying, I don't know what to do. Say, I don't know what to do yet. But I will very soon. Why? The great one's in you. And he'll lead you. He may tell you directly or he may tell you, well, go listen to this message. Or go talk to so-and-so. Go call so-and-so. However he decides to lead you, you follow his leading. He'll never lead you against the word of God because he wrote the word of God. He'll never contradict his word. He'll always lead you and guide you in line with his word. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. Connect with us on social media. Our handle is at WeAreFaithATM. Follow us online at FCCGA.com. If you want to support the ministry financially, you can text FCCGA to 73256 or give online. But most importantly, We never want to close a broadcast without giving the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you never pray this prayer, repeat after me. Meet it from the bottom of your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that He died for me. But on the third day, you raised Him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you pray that prayer, we believe you've been born again. So if you pray that prayer, let us know by connecting with us online or emailing us at info at FCCGA.com. Once again, thanks for tuning in today. We look forward to seeing you next time. Have an amazing day.